0: Welcome to the Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips and tricks, and things you should know to level up your gameplay. Don't forget to join us in Discord and Patreon as we continuously discuss MCP on a daily basis. The links will be in the show notes. On the podcast, regular members are Jacob, Sploosh, and Dizzard. Welcome back to another week of the danger room and this week we are Jacob bliss and we're recording much later than normal and we have mark here to talk with us today mark as many of you guys know him as roster doctor or gd nerd on discord how are you doing mark
1: good good thank you for having me on again it's always fun
0: to do the danger room oh it's a pleasure um so let's just jump right into it. Um actually first of all, we could talk league stats because the week is wrapping up. Um so let's start with Mark. How did your weeks week what week four? Five? Week four. four week yeah. four. How did your round four of TTS season six go?
1: So round four I got paired into Brotherhood. I guess spoiler alert for the rest of the episode for people who didn't bother to read the title before launching this episode, we're gonna be talking about spider foes. I've been playing a lot of spider foes. Um But I was very worried about the Brotherhood matchup um, just because I felt like they could come over the top against me with uh, Scarlet Witch and Magneto, and I couldn't necessarily go punch for punch with them. But thankfully, I was able to pull them down to a threat level where they actually couldn't play Wanda. And it was a really rough game. My opponent came out of the gate very, very strong. But he uh, he under allocated Brotherhood members to the non-Magneto flank, which meant that once I KO'd Toad, uh, he had a huge problem bringing Magneto over to help. Um, Because of Asteroid M? Yeah. Uh, Basically, I dazed uh, Toad before he could do it in a timely manner, and then he Asteroid M'd right before I KO'd Toad. Um, And at that point... I just was able to hold enough BPs that I was forcing a score out and thankfully was able to win. But um, I believe the opponent's name was uh, Evan Paul, um, who, if I recall correctly, has been playing Brotherhood uh, since at the very least last season. Um, And he he was definitely giving me a hard time in the first couple of rounds, but I I was able to pull it out in the late game, thankfully.
0: Awesome. Uh, For me, I played against Sam... Um, I was playing against Thoris, Thoris. I don't really know how you pronounce his name. I'm assuming Thoris. Um, and I was extremely worried about this matchup just cause every time I've played against Sam, I've not done very well or it's very close. I messed something up. And, uh, to be honest, like Mark and Spooch both helped me out with like some ideas going into the game and really like a lot of people talk about Sam and we talk about Sam a lot. And in that game, like when I had Doom Prophecy Carnage, and I just absolutely destroyed his team when I had it. But I'm sure Mark's going to talk about this a little bit later. But when it comes to playing Carnage, it really comes down to priority control and um, knowing when to use your Doom Prophecy turn. And that's exactly what it came down to that game. I think if I did it another time, I probably lost that game. Um, so that's kind of what it comes down to. And that's pretty much what won me the game was Carnage. Uh, t- t- to be completely honest. So yeah, it was that's, a good game.
1: That's foes in a nutshell not to, yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean thank you I,
2: I didn't watch all of the game, but it, I think there was moments where you could have lost Prio, but you showed restraint and, uh, yeah it's it was all about
0: it was all about being conservative like there was one time where I left Carnage with one action still not doing anything because he was right where I wanted him to be and if I took out the character, I lost priority and the next turn was my do prophecy all you got turn and I couldn't do that if I didn't have priority. So it just have a little, um, be a little conservative, I guess when it comes down to it, but Spooch, how did your week four go? Uh, I
2: won. I'm playing a uh, dark dimension against kind of brotherhood. My opponent went four wide and took two and two. So he actually mm. didn't play brotherhood, even though he intended to, um, the opponent's name was Captain suspense um was it suspenseful yeah uh it still was I don't know uh I don't know that there's a lot of notable things I mean at one point uh my so my opponent won Prio and I feel like he chose the wrong like he chose uh extracts um and then going into the game I was planning on choosing choosing secures anyway because I really liked his extracts so I was like oh well. If I choose secures, he'll give me something I want anyway. So it's kind of best at both worlds, right? But then he won proud, and then he gave me secures. I was like, well, that's what I wanted. And so, yeah, it it is a little awkward for Dermammu because I like to go four wide, and my opponent went four wide. So he basically held proud the entire game, which that's not very good for me. But, uh, yeah, I, it, we went with hammers, and at one point Dermammu had three hammers, and he killed Iron Fist, uh, like... F- basically my first activation of round two. So that's usually a good start when you're removing characters from the board on round two, which is a very Dormammar-like thing to do. Um, and Iron Fist, of course, is a menace. So yeah, I don't know. It, he made it bloody. He he uh, put a lot of hurt on my characters, but once I had like all four hammers, I could just kind of run around. I picked demons, so the score was more heavily weighted towards the extracts. Um, but yeah, my opponent—he was a nice guy, very nice actually, and kind of like sort of newish and uh, just loved mutants. So you know, we could relate on that topic. <laughs> um, and I'm—I gotta say too, if Rogue is affiliated Brotherhood, I, I might be trying some Brotherhood next season or whatever. So that's fair. Uh, I'm always happy for some playable mutants, and Rogue's sweet, and Brotherhood's pretty sweet. So.
0: right. Um, So there's one list that we kind of noticed throughout this last week, and it's done by Camuffins. And we kind of realized that this person was undefeated at that point. They were undefeated over there, two and one. I don't think they were two and one actually Um, going into this week. And they're running X Force. And we just want to give a big shout out to Camuffins because the list, we just kind of noticed similarities between your X Force list and x-force list that i took to nashcon um he's playing gene and nova as well as he's playing wolverine instead of Sabretooth. so those are the few differences but nobody else plays nova in x-force you know so
2: <laughs> yeah no well, and gene i i don't know i feel like he might be a fank uh, otherwise maybe your long lost brother was found and you need to reach
0: out <laughs> exactly uh- all right, so um, on to Xavier Protocol segment. Uh, Jacob isn't here, but he kind of did some math for me because I was really curious to see what these numbers looked like, and I think Mark's gonna be really interested to hear these numbers. And that is, what are the chances today's a Dune prophecy carnage? So, oh, I know where this is going already. I'm gonna start I have with personally experienced. This. <laughs> well, okay, so let's. Let's let's start with the high numbers. So if you have two seven die attacks, which that's not very common, right? It's extremely rare, yeah. You have a 72% chance to daze or KO carnage if he's doom prophesied. If you have a five die and a seven die attack, it goes down to 54%. Now here's the big one that really kind of shocked me because I've never seen it actually like it's it's always like he's just dead. Uh, two 5-die attacks is a 32% chance to take him out. Yep. Like, t- I don't know, to me it's more like 98%. <laughs>
2: uh, listen, I know I haven't played as Carnage as much as you guys, but I've definitely played a good amount of Carnage. Like, I literally brought the physical mini to Nashcon by ordering him from, like, Canada. And I, like, played Carnage at Nashcon, like, per of a couple times, but, like, I've been playing Carnage and I agree with you that it feels like if Carnage... Even energy or mystic, I feel like if someone attacks him, he dies. Yeah. Um, that hasn't yeah. been
1: quite my experience. Um, uh, yeah. The, the large once. amount of <laughs> his stamina uh, means that he lives at very weird times. If you can't, if, if you've got like a generic three threat. Doesn't matter if he's doom prophesied or you're hitting him on energy or mystic. If you can't try and find room for like a throw in there to like bump the numbers, he lives a surprisingly large amount of the time. And the thing is, if you juice him to all hell, oh my God, you are in for a world of hurt. Because yeah. if I can just like walk up and boost a spender into you with enough power to paint the town red in the middle so I don't actually die to um, sadistic glee damage, it's over. Like you, you've screwed up. Don't pass go. Don't collect two hundred dollars. You've just lost. Um, it yeah, I, it's just super dangerous.
2: I will say I might be biased because all you've got is in the game very heavily, and I mean I don't remember any specific instances, but I wouldn't be shocked if my opponent failed to tick him out, and then they just said, "Okay, all you've got, we're taking him out." <laughs> you know, so I might be misremembering. <laughs> you, if
0: you've you know, you've done that to me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> on multiple occasions. Huh.
1: Yeah, and and because he's just kind of a uh, power pinata for anybody hitting a builder that doesn't hit on physical or hitting him after he's doom prophecy you can very reliably convert that into an all you've got or any tactics that help you stretch damage. But if you if you don't have anything extra in the tank, don't just like randomly slap him with a three threat because you'll really come to regret it.
0: Now, who who is probably the best person you've seen to take him out? Voodoo's a massive problem. He doesn't
1: particularly love Enchantress because mm-hmm. if she gets to max range three of him and she just like double beams him, leaves him for dead, and bows him away, he's not even within range four of her. Yeah. Um well actually technically you want to go to max medium of Carnage with Enchantress, so you can weave in the throw for good measure. Um but same deal. If you short move him back, he's outside range four, which means he's He has to burn an action unless he has somebody he can paint the town red off of. Mm -hmm.
0: I think in my experience, um, I would say one of the biggest people I've seen kill Carnage the most has been Zemo, like a juiced up Zemo. He's just he absolutely just wipes Carnage off the table, especially if he's doing prophecy, like he's going to take him out. You mean if Carnage is already doing prophecy? I mean, in my
1: experience, Zemo does almost literal nothing. Carnage once really? or, uh, before he Doom Prophecies. But yeah. After he's Doom Prophecy, I mean physical uh attackers is just open season, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I've I've definitely had Zemo be like the bane of my existence with Carnage. Um I would say, yeah, most of the time it's after he Doom Prophecy. This just basically ensures he's dead because he's getting all those rerolls just to like hopefully take him out in one shot if he gets enough crits. Um but yeah, I would say Zemo for me has been a big one.
2: Like playing against Cable, maybe because you played X Force Cable because he gets yeah. the other role. But Cable's really annoying for for poor uh, Carnage. Usually, you have to get some cover. Like, mm-hmm. luckily, Carnage is only size two, so he can get cover pretty easily. Um,
1: okay, but I feel like X Force is like borderline unwinnable for Carnage teams because um, um, Cable can like double shoot body slide away, so you're never ever hurting him. And because you're a power pinata for an energy attacker like him, he just gets to do his defense dice boost all the time. And if Mm -hmm. he ever gets close to killing you, he'll just like body slide up, whip a size four piece of terrain into you. And I don't care that he has five dodge dice. He's still going down.
2: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I I don't think Okoye kills Carnage, but I think Okoye sets it up so that he will die if he's already activated
0: to we'll say, if he's already activated, well, if four not, dice re-roll one
1: is almost identical to five dice. Um, yeah. So right. We just talked about how two five dice attacks. It's about a one in three shot of killing him. Yeah. So,
2: we'll I'm not back. saying she kills him, and granted, I've done it, but she's a great character for two threat value to just get in there and pepper him up a bit, and then yeah. usually someone can finish the job. Or if they give you prio and she's wounded him pretty badly, then like probably he'll get finished off next turn um so it, it, a lot of carnage is prior, right and that's gonna mm-hmm. be a theme um uh, yeah
0: all right uh hot takes you want, mark what do you think of rogue
1: excellent great i love her i gotta <laughs> say it- too
2: this has been a very anticipated topic on this podcast as we are the danger room uh we were saving rogue for when Dizard and i both could be here at the same time um, so yeah yeah I'm, i i could be here when the
1: stars aligned but yeah <laughs> I, I i think she's she absolutely slaps
2: yeah anything in particular that jumps out at you
1: uh, being able to switch between, uh, physical and energy typing is very valuable right now. I mean, we were just talking about Carnage, but she, she functionally gets to bypass all of Carnage's defenses whenever she wants. She well, so she's just... also,
0: she's also great in the Midnight Suns with that, like...
1: Yep. Midnight Suns has a huge energy weakness right now. Um, th- there's just <laughs> a lot know, of wizards. places where <laughs> being able to switch, uh, types, I can be, ver- yeah, even Convocation you can use physical against them until they do the Ironbound Books of Shumagorath, and then you just switch to energy. And honestly, their energy defenses aren't that much
0: better than their physical defenses most of the time. Mm-hmm. Except for that that pesky Mordo. <laughs> uh, I was actually looking at putting Rogue in my foes just because of that, because I was kind of expecting Wizards to take an uptick a little bit. And I considered it. Yeah, yeah, she's, it, it was and she's just good. She's just good. She's so good. Like, I... I put her up towards the top of the fours, like we I mean, we and we've been, we've been talking amongst the three of us, like like what we said, like Rogue is like four out of the top fours or something like that. Yeah, I can't. remember Four is where a we little came. bit high
1: for me because it goes for me it goes Enchantress, no question. Then Medusa, no question. Then Voodoo, no question. Like those three are locked in that specific order for me. Mm-hmm. No question. We just started Carnage. Yeah, I, 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 so she's in this weird scrum with, like, Vision, Carnage, Ancient One. Uh, there's probably a few other really good fours I'm forgetting. Yeah. But, like, from, like, four through ten, there's, like, six or seven different characters that are all fighting. So- so that next spot for me, what
0: I like her more than those other people that you named, this is talk specifically carnage is carnage. You're putting, you're going to see carnage in what one of three places, foes CS or somebody trying some jank. Like we used to try with Inhumans. Um I can't really think of anywhere else that carnage actually shines. Um, uh, Dark dimension. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I, they don't exist. I hate them. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, but but rogue, like I don't know, like rogue has like a really good beat 'em up toolbox, and just for like, a four threat, that if you don't want to play Medusa, rogue is a great alternative, and she can fit in quite often most places because like she doesn't have a power getting, uh, she doesn't have an issue getting power, and she has plenty of ways to spend it, and she has really good attacks. She's got like <laughs> she's got charge. Um, I don't know. Like, I I just think she's an all around really solid fourth right character. I yeah. think
2: people would get mad of mad at us if we didn't mention Venom in that scrum, as you say. I think Venom's up there somewhere
1: too. I could say um, that, yeah. Though yeah. so I I will argue Venom Venom's really fragile to like fitting into teams because like he's not particularly fast. He needs power. Uh, like, can you fit lethal protector in your eight soon to be 10? Like there, there's a lot more question marks for him than rogue. I would very cleanly put rogue above him in mm-hmm. like, if I was just saying I need a four to blind go into a roster, I'm not going to tell you what the rest of the roster is. Whereas yeah. like venom when he works, he really works, but he he needs a well balanced environment before he can properly shine.
0: Well, well, here here you go. You just have Rogue Venom Gene. Gene protects Venom from getting pushed when he doesn't want to be. And there you go. You got, you're already halfway to an X Men roster. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I man-storm. would just say Venom's probably like top of his affiliations, and Rogue might actually be good enough to be played unaffiliated. Um, but she'll definitely be top of her list in affiliation. So. There's a lot of speculation, you know, Brotherhood, uh, Avengers, X-Men. I, I think all those are very possible for her. Yeah. Even a fort maybe. So, yeah,
0: I think that's a speculation as well. So, yeah,
2: I think I, I kind of agree with you um, that Rogue might just be like a tiny bit better than Venom. But I, I don't think it's like so far much over. You know, yeah,
1: it, it, it's less about raw power because I think Venom in his ideal environment is actually just straight up better than Rogue. But Rogue will go in more places. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, I, Ven- Venom's a like a C or a D like 80% of the time, but he's like an A when he works. Whereas Rogue is like a B plus everywhere. And she doesn't get that much yeah. better or worse from that baseline. Like she likes some more power so she can consistently do stuff. But there, there's not a lot of stuff that she's like, she needs help unlocking in her own kit, like Venom does.
0: So yeah. I, I guess I kind of like, because you're comparing these two, I have one question. And that is, Do you what do you guys think of her tactics card? Uh,
2: I don't even know the names of them. I, I don't think they're good. I think it's really
1: funny, and I wish more people were playing it.
2: The one that costs um, power seems like a gimmick to me. I, I don't know. The problem too is like we're at the bloat of co- tactics cards. We yeah. really need to wait until a new
0: ban. Okay, so list. I guess my guess, my question would be, pre new rule set, probably not taken. Post uh, rule even set, it. Yeah. You wouldn't, wait, wait, what about post rule set change? I,
2: the problem is I don't know what they're gonna do. I I love. I'd love to think they're gonna do big things. I just. I don't see it, man, because there's, so, there's still so many other good cards. I, I guess it would depend on what affiliation you're playing, and there's just so many what-ifs, it's hard to answer, you know? But can yeah, we just I, address I first what about. her tactics cards about. are, because I don't even remember the names so of them. So
1: the one that I assume Dizzard is talking about, she has one that's like that Deadpool card where she interacts with other people, but I think the most interesting one, and the one I'm assuming Dizzard is talking about, is Mind If I Cut In, mm-hmm. which is just Rogue plays this card. It doesn't cost anything. And it's just, uh, for the rest of the round, whenever an enemy character is making an attack, um, a non-area or non-beam attack, and Rogue could be a valid target, they either have to pay one or attack her. Um, and I think that is deceptively... Uh, very valuable like imagine playing this on uh research station where you've got a giant scrum in the middle and it's like you can't hit my enchantress because rogue's sitting in the middle of the board with this on um i think there's
2: yeah i mean it goes without saying that for this card to be good you have to put rogue in a position where she shouldn't be attacked i guess so she probably you don't interact with an extract where you use like say first class or whatever and you know you save up power so she has her charge and then you put her either in cover behind an object or um she maybe has an x-men leadership well she has to
1: you have to have LOS to them still but yeah yeah
2: Uh, yeah no but she'd be like say standing on a size two car or right behind it so that they can't like pull her off of it you know or put maybe, you know, or in front of it if they want to push her away, whatever, you know, the opponent is doing. Um, And set up some kind of thing where it's a, you want them to actually be attacking rogue. I, I feel like I would want her to have cover of some sort to make this, like, optimized. And then at the end of the day, they're still just spending a power to say, screw you, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah, um, but the,
1: I I think there's a lot of relatively power-starved affiliations out there that really won't like the tax, and it'll yeah. actually start like bending their actions in ways they don't like. Um, yeah, no, I, this I, is something I, that I really want to put dojo time into, but because of the nature of the season, I just didn't want to upend everything trying to like make her work. I made smaller changes that we'll discuss later on in the episode, but um. I think there's real promise and potential to mind if I cut in um, and I just can't wait to see somebody break it.
2: So I think the card has diminishing returns. You probably absolutely want to use it on turn two. I, I think that's got to be like ideal. Um, and it says Rogue may play this card. Uh, what does that mean actually? <laughs> Is she playing it out of activation, but you have to do it when you have, say, prio. Or So it or- has
1: to be during your turn. Rogue is the one playing this for the purposes of hammers or anything else that cares about who's playing a card or doing something, right? But it does not need to be during her activation. Okay. Because if if, if it needed to be during your activation, it would say Rogue may play this card during her activation. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I think this is a turn to play. You set her up. It's got to be like research or some very brawly map to be super relevant. And yeah, I could see it being a little taxing. You know, having like, for example, first class where you get power boosts early as an X-Men, and then you play this to kind of drain your opponent, I could see that being pretty annoying for your opponent. You know, they're going to feel like you're going up and, and then they're also going kind of backwards with, with the
1: power distribution. Um, yeah, I, I just, and, and I, there's I, definitely teams out there in the meta that have huge power economy problems. I mean... yeah. Midnight suns, web warriors. Um.
2: I, and I think wizards too. I find wizards have like really pitiful turn ones and draining their power turn two, it might be a problem as well because like a character, for example, like um what is it like uh, the new strange. I found he like really wants to get that teleport going and if you're taking his power away or maybe he spent some power on interacting and then also, He's usually spending power on his books and all that stuff. It, it can be very taxing. So, yeah, maybe the wizards. Um, also, she also has that um, mutant absorption thing, where if people are low on power, it's it's just kind of an insane ability. I, I do want to talk about that. Um, I don't think it's a all the time ability, but the mutant absorption. I, I guess I'll explain it for people who maybe haven't read the card. Um, you basically, your range two, you spend two power, you roll five dice, hits, crits, and wilds Uh, will drain an enemy of power for each hit, crit, and wild you get. Uh, and if they have no power, then you do damage. And if they take damage, they don't gain power. Um, I can see that kind of like we're saying, or I, I feel like it's strongest turn one or turn two. Probably more turn two than turn one, to be honest, but... If someone's just sitting there with no power, uh, just walking up, like if you could do like a Avengers like double move, just drain them. I think that would be better than attacking them, right? You're just they get no defensive tech; they just
1: eat it.
0: I mean, I think it's good. Like <laughs> <think> it's,
1: <laughs> I, 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 think it is just generically great. Like if you spike on somebody in the early rounds, and you don't want them to go into like, like let's say you do a X Men leadership teleport place into a charge onto somebody and you spike really hard, and you're like, oh, wait, they're getting prior next round, and I don't want like this character to be a problem. Well, all of a sudden, you just get to spend all that... You get to spend some of that power from the spike and just take away, I don't know, two to three of the power you just gave them, which all of a sudden like mitigates the rubber banding, which can be really valuable.
2: Yeah. God. I, I, just, I hear what you're saying about taking their power, but... Nothing excites me more than a person sitting on no power, and you just walk up to them and just haze them.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, that's the dream. That's the dream in the mid-light game. Like, I, uh, Iron Fist uh, does an Iron Fist onto somebody and is sitting there on zero, and you're like, hmm, I'm just going to energy vampire you down uh, and daze you and make sure you don't have enough power to do another Iron Fist.
2: Yeah, and Master Martial Artist doesn't work against it, you know? And the fact that don't get power for you doing this is crazy. Um, So it's like all
0: bonus for you. Yep. Uh, Uh, I do want to say one thing about this is when they talked about it during Minis Travaganza, uh, I know there was a lot of people that heard them say that she's supposed to gain power back from it, uh, but that is not the case. I got word that it's supposed to, I just wanted to clarify on here that um, we did get word that it is as written. She does not gain any power back or anything like that.
2: Yeah. I can't even imagine how stupid that would
0: be. It, you
2: know it's tough too because
0: it might have said that at one point in testing
2: and then yeah. they're like well this isn't this is too, this this is, is too this good is
0: too strong
2: <laughs> abort this is, the mission
0: this is five threat rogue
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i i don't mean like i love rogue so much i i want to also mention that absorbing strike is hilarious against vision yeah um i think there's other like i uh the new green goblin can do this too right Yeah, but the constant green
1: goblin can do it too.
2: (laughs) if they change that part of his card. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, but new Green Goblin's gonna be a stud, okay? But uh yeah, like Vision's gonna be so annoyed with Rogue, and if you catch them with no power, maybe you only hit them, you know, um for like one, you sap one, and then it's like they're on like one power and you just do your mutant absorption on Vision. I just feel like that's going to be such a good time and so annoying for
1: Vision. Speaking of um, mutant absorption, I just want to hype up a really funny uh, early play for X-Men you can do um, hmm. with her mutant absorption-themed tactics card, which is, part of me, Sugar, which is very similar to the Deadpool card for those of you who are familiar. Basically, during Rogue's activation, she can play the card and you get to pick uh, one of one, two, three, four, five effects. Um, based on who's near you um and the really important one here is if storm is within range two of rogue rogue adds plus two dice to all attack rolls for her next attack action so what you can do is in x-men uh you can RD a power onto her you uh place storm like two forwards of rogue uh Rogue uh, plays Part of Me Sugar for the bonus dice, teleports forwards through Storm, charges onto somebody with a seven dice sap builder on whatever the best type is and then follows that up with like another builder or a throw or a um, mutant absorption. Um, And you can just like legitimately daze people on the bottom of one that way. um, Which is pretty decent. Now, I don't necessarily think that the tactics card is worth it for a damage on storm for uh two bonus dice on a single attack um yeah but like if exciting. if you really want to like push the odds of that like that big early play happening there it's an angle
2: yeah i i forgot too that she's got immunity to poison um which is more and more relevant these days uh Wizards seem to let, like, the poison people for some reason. And then Omega Red, uh, some people have been playing Omega Red that have been doing well. And obviously Terrigen, as an objective, is reasonably popular. And, and, uh, and again, you know, to shout out
1: X-Men, I think they're actually very good on Terrigen. Um, and they love taking Rogue. Uh, presumably she's going to be an X-Men, considering she has the X-Men logo on her outfit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stop it. She does. and and you like never so, you've often. got you've got Cable and her both in X-Men poison immune so you can have two different flanks going on um and thanks really? to her charge she can do some real damage to anybody who goes and stands on the cloud opposite of her
2: yeah and when you're only gaining one power per turn immunity to poison's pretty damn good um Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, The other thing I'd just say, maybe uh, to close, is that I think she's going to be using her spender a lot. She can't throw people with her superpowers. She can throw size four terrain, which is pretty pretty awesome. And generally, characters with a charge can set up the terrain throw with a little bit of you know fourths, you know, early thinking and planning. Um, But she's throwing characters with her spender that only cost three power.
1: And And a uh, quick note I do want to put out there because. I've, I've seen people miss this uh her throw on her spender is omnidirectional it's not away it's not towards so you can throw people however gets you the best angle on things you don't have to worry about just sending them away like certain other spender throws the, th- the throw is also guaranteed so like yes. no damage triggers it's just you get it you you spend three power in an action and you get a throw Uh, you get a a size four character throw short and you get a seven dice attack as a bonus side effect that's the best way to think about it
2: laying this into like um what is it modok and and hulk i I think it's going to be a good time you know and if if you absolutely positively just got to do one damage to a character uh it's the safest bet you know like if that throw will win you a game then then that's just like such a no-brainer you're like all right let's do this i I use this ability. Let's not even roll dice. You're dead. I win. Um, it is after the attack, though, so I guess if you needed the throw to hit someone, then that's kind of awkward. But otherwise, still, you know, like guaranteed one damage, assuming your opponent isn't playing, you know, something like Brace or whatever. It's pretty well, Actually, brilliant. a bit of an
1: aside, but now that you mention, like, a diceless outcome... I think that would actually be a great Danger Room episode for you guys to do on like fundamental game skills is like recognizing when there's like mm-hmm. diceless things you can do that'll advance the game state for you.
2: Yeah, I'll take and, note of so that. It's actually a pretty good point. <laughs>
1: Didn't <it? laughs> Did <How> <laughs> I feel like there
2: was a topic relevant recently too? Where there was a game yeah. that um, I, oh, man, what is it? It was like this guy made like the correct choice, but it failed or something. And we were commenting that, like, like logically, if it's like a ninety-plus percent chance, you think, oh, that's the best chance or the best choice. But if there's a diceless version of that same action, you know, I, I just, I yeah. don't know, man. It'll probably come to me later. But that actually happened. I think like last week there, there was this game where someone lost. Oh, and then Wizard, I remember another. It wasn't the one I was thinking of, but we were practicing. Yeah. And you gave me a defensive reroll, which gave me the wild block. Yeah. Which you, was uh a, a kind of you, an oops you, thing because it's like you kinda gave me a shot and it, it was a one and eight, right? Like it shouldn't yeah. have worked. But um what I'm referring to is I was playing uh sorcerer supreme, which I think is becoming a pretty I'm starting to like that character in practice, but uh Wizard used the new Green Goblin leadership on me and gave me a reroll and it gave me the wild I needed to stop a rapid fire. And he was already putting out some pretty good damage on me, so it's kinda like, uh, maybe this is at the right time.
0: Well, it wasn't just that. It was like I needed that one power to yeah. like it's like I needed that one power to end the game right there or something like that. Well like was... one out of
2: eight times it it's fine, right? But like yeah. that one out of eight, which is a very low percentage. You know, unfortunately I got the one out of eight. I got the wild and I changed your wild into not a wild uh blank, actually, is how that works. And then you couldn't rapid fire. So oh man, that was uh that's a good example yeah, of, like I, I think careful. it was like
0: I think it was either I was just about to get Hulkbuster back or I needed it because strange was almost dead.
2: Yeah, you just need to kill strange and it screwed you over.
0: Yeah. But anyway,
2: that's kind of a tangent. But um we all love rogue, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would just say, too, to finish, is I'm waiting for Medusa and Enchantress to get nerfed. If they don't, I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm pretty sure they will. But in my mind, once those sort of S-tier characters take a step back, Rogue is 100% now in the conversation for many different rosters, and I'm pretty hyped for it because mutants. Yay. And thank you, AMG, for producing good mutants so I don't have to complain all the time.
0: Yeah. Uh Gambit next. Let's pivot to G. <laughs> <laughs> so so anyways, uh on to today's main topic. Splush is gonna be taking the reins on this one. So why don't you go ahead and take it away?
2: Sure. So the topic today, as Mark mentioned earlier, spider foes. Uh I feel like we've all waited a long time for this. Um I, I have like for some reason really vivid memories of us talking about Green Goblin and Foes over many topics like objective conversations and rating the um affiliations and just you know one of those things where it was kind of annoying to constantly say well foes are kind of really bad right now but don't worry they'll eventually get more stuff cuz they're not finished uh so it's to me today is very exciting because we're going to talk about foes and i feel like they're they're finally due right they got all their new characters some more cool tactics cards and uh yeah, uh, even if Mark didn't win his game this week, I was planning on having him on because he's uh, been doing good work with them. And of course, Dizzard too. Um, Mark's 4-0, and Dizzer's 3-1, and one, and both have done really well. And so um, I guess I'll throw it to you guys with the first question. Um, so I, I'd like to start with you, Mark, but um, for fluff reasons and strategic reasons, why did you, did you guys choose to play spider foes in the first place?
1: Uh, so I, I talked about this a little bit in the article I put up on Across the Bifrost, uh, I guess last week for the purposes of people uh listening to this. Um, but essentially, I went into the dojo with you and Mike, um, in the post Nashcon meta where uh, is essentially, you guys came to the conclusion that you took X Men as far as it could go, but hey, this unaffiliated team is actually technically a force let's start screwing around with a force and i noticed i just couldn't play a force as well as mike could um and i just knew it wasn't feeling right and so i was feeling pretty hyped on carnage i thought doom prophecy carnage was just absolutely nutty um and i put it down in a few dojo games and i was like okay no this jives with me um and I locked it in and four wins later, uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, bit of a spoiler alert as well. Uh, the pairings just went out while we're in the middle of recording this and I am playing Mike this week. So I'm very probably <laughs> going to be four and one by the time that people listen to this. Well,
2: if you play tomorrow, I guess, cause this will go out tomorrow. Um, but yeah, uh, well, I guess this will go out Monday. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, Okay, what about you, Dizzer? What, what was
0: your reasoning? I, I feel like is going to give me more fluff. That seemed like a lot of strategy talk right there. <laughs> uh, okay, so I can spin this whole entire story of how much I love Green Goblin and how I've been waiting for him to be good. It's um, already playable. Yeah, he is. Uh, but i mean the affiliation as a whole. Because I played Foes back in Season 3 or 4. I don't remember which one. Um, and it did it was not do three. Because right. so we played right. like round one. Yeah, I got absolutely wrecked that season, but I just was committed to try and make them work, um, and it did not work. And then when Carnage came out, Sploosh and I were trying to make Carnage work. We had some broken Inhumans lists that was really fun, uh, but it just, it just it wasn't the same. And um, when it comes down to it, the reason why I am playing foes is because I put into the Danger Room polls of what affiliation I will be playing for Season 6. And what I got was foes with Jean. Um, <laughs> and Mark is why Jean is there. Um, and I've actually played her more t- two out of the four games. I played her. Um, one of the games was a loss, but the first game I won with her Um I actually do like her and foes quite a bit. But I, I absolutely love Spider Foes. Like, if I had to pick any, like, people say, like, Spider Man has the best rogues gallery. He absolutely does. Green Goblin is such a cool character. Carnage, Venom, like, just super cool characters. My desktop wallpaper or my computer is Green Goblin. And if you remember, um, I was talking about the Jeep I was going to get, how I was going to do it all Gambit and all that stuff. I ended up getting a green Jeep instead, and I'm going all Green Goblin theme with it, to be completely honest. So it's kind of cool. Uh, but I obviously love the Green Goblins, so I'm super happy with the new Green Goblins coming out. But I just love where Foes is at right now, and they're just so much fun to play. And I guess another thing, a little bit of strategy, is Spooch tried to get me to play basically the same list, but in Criminal Syndicate. And I just, like like Mark said with A4s, it's good, but I just wasn't feeling it. Then um, I played played Foes more and got more reps in with them and got the patterns down. and. I, I have to say, like playing foes is probably some of the most fun in MCP I've had in quite a while. Like I loved X Force, I love playing X Force, I love playing Guardians, but like playing foes currently is some of the most fun I've had in the game.
1: Also, oh, yeah. I, I guess a fluffy secondary thing uh, for any War Machine veterans out there. Uh, I I cut my teeth on trolls. That's what I played for like the entirety of me being serious oh. about competitive War Machine. And trolls are all like medium base tanky guys. And spider foes are almost all medium-based tanky guys. <laughs> so I, I think there's a bit of a parallel there that uh I'm finding kinship with.
2: Alright. And so for people who maybe aren't that experienced with foes or want to play them, I'm gonna start a little basic here. And I'll start with Mark again. Uh what what are the key affiliated characters? Because like I'll just say right. personally I <laughs> fell in love with mysterio and i think he's really cool and i think mysterio with the new version of the leadership that's coming out when we get the new cards which is makes the leadership free i'm pretty yeah. hyped for that but like in my experience mysterio hasn't really been making the cut like even when i tried to put him in syndicate I was maybe not as happy as i hope that would be but i'd love to hear from you guys What what's like the must-have, like, you're gonna play, the, the your all-stars, just like... There's only three
1: characters do you need to play Spider-Foes. The others are ancillary, sometimes they're relevant, sometimes they're not, but the only three you actually need is Carnage, Lizard, Doc Ock. Everything else is optional. Um I've played those three, I think, in virtually all of my four games. Um I might have swapped out, like, Lizard or Ock once or twice because I was fitting in, like, I was essentially turning them into Venom or Green Goblin, but that's like the core right there is that three character, 10 point core every game.
2: Do you want to maybe expand on Doc Ock? Cause I think there's this, I don't know. Yeah. So, so I, 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 think for for Doc people, Ock or Doc whatever, Ock sucks, but he yeah.
1: is. So what I used to think that way. Cause so my experience with Doc came in three particular uh, timeline events first was getting into the game with core box. And I was like, Oh yeah, he kind of sucks. Like if you want to play him for uh, Wakanda wave, cause in the early, early days, he was like one of the best threes for Wakanda wave. Cause like, as far as I know, it was only him and Valkyrie that had character throws for a while. Um, Drax might've been an option, but yeah, it, it, it was not great for uh, character throw models. And he kind of like fell off the wayside real quick. Then Green Goblin comes out. This is the second time I tried him and paid attention to him. I was trying to get Well-Laid Plans to work because Well-Laid Plans is a nutty card, which we are definitely going to be talking about later on here. But it, it just turned out that Spider-Foes sucked too much. Goblin was only sometimes useful. Auk was okay for an affiliated role player, but he wasn't anything to write home about. And then you were stuck with either Venom or Kingpin which I don't think you ever want to play Kingpin in Spider-Foes right now, um, nor back then. And Venom, like Goblin, is only situationally valid. Um,
2: I will say, when they first came out, uh, drop-off was legal, and I actually had Kingpin get dropped off by Green Goblin. I know it's not like blowing the roof off or anything. Yeah, Um, probably right. But um, yeah, I don't know. Kingpin's... Like a very solid character, He's just so slow and girly. and yeah,
0: exactly. Know. I honestly forget Kingpin as a foes because I never play him with foes. Um, I don't mean to cut in on you, Mark, but yeah, I, like for me with Kingpin, like you're so tight on your because Kingpin's a four threat, right? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. so tight on your four threats that you just can't fit him in. Uh, otherwise, you're not playing Carnage, and that's a that's a mistake.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about Venom for a second. Is Venom even in your rosters?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: I I have all the Spider-Foes except for Mysterio and Craven in there. And, and the I, only reason those two got cut was for specific tech
0: splashes. And then I have all the Foes except for Craven and Kingpin. Oh sorry, I obviously don't have Kingpin. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't have those 3.
1: I I cut Mysterio, I cut Craven, and I cut Kingpin. Oh, the foes. Um, and that's not to. So Mysterio and Craven both had reasonable cases to be in there. And they actually were in versions of the roster up until the last second. Because I, I I jammed very particular tech pieces in. And I just. Uh, those were the first to go. Because I knew that my core was Carnage, Lizard, Auk. And that Craven and Mysterio only get played in like edge cases. Um and I decided I'd rather have the unaffiliated tech pieces I was looking at than the affiliated ones.
2: I have a follow-up question, but did, before I do that, did you have anything to say about your like key characters, or did you just kind of agree with Mark here?
0: Uh, for me, Carnage, Lizard, Auk, and then if you're playing Auk, you might as well have Green Goblin, uh, because you're going to play will they plants. And anybody yep. who hates on that card is a fool and is in bad luck. One of the most nutty team tactics cards in the yeah. game. Um, it's dicey. It's okay. I understand yeah. it's dicey, but like it's like I have had that card. It, it's when not that so dicey, games. though. It's like no, it, it should not be. <laughs> like you should be getting at it's least like four. a
1: ninety percent
0: chance to do at least one damage. Yeah, but it's like it's 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 playing it on the right. I know Mark, you said you want to talk about it later, but like it's it's about playing it on the right scenario and at the right time. Like you have yep. to like have the stars align, and you're gonna pull it off. Like it might not be the most ideal situation, but you're gonna pull it off um, unless you get wrecked. I had, what, the game against Blue the other day. I didn't get a chance to pull it off, but it, it, it was fine. But I've had that card win me so many games that it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. And when I see people hating on that card, I'm just like, you're you're a fool. Like like play. So it. to please, circle please it back it. to
1: Goblin, th- this is why I've been saying that Goblin's been playable for so long. He is playable, but only when you can play well-laid plans. You should, like, right now, he's essentially stapled well-laid plans. And so the buffs that they did I'm, I'm assume are under the premise of making goblin playable without needing to play well-laid plans. But you're going to want to play uh-huh. it more. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. I, I wonder, like, I legitimately wonder if they went overboard with those buffs, even as like small as they were, just because like, I've seen how nutty well aid plans goblin can be. And so like, if you suddenly make him so good, I want to play him in non-well-laid plans games. Like, what what's the actual ceiling of foes look like yeah. after that i, I mean don't know. you're
0: like if you like super magical christmas land corner case scenario you're playing infinity formula and cubes like you're popping willy plans top of turn 2 like round 2 disagree like, you don't think so like if you let your opponent get three oh. cubes and then just pop willy plans top of 3 no you hold it longer you think so i, I yeah.
1: So, so, so I, I guess we're going down this rabbit hole right now. But <laughs> Okay. There, there's a very simple, correct way to play well-laid plants. You want to play for a four VP every round, score out victory. Ideally, you want to do it with prios so that you can get the middle cube. Um, you would prefer to play this with cubes. You're fine to play it with spiders. Um, I've occasionally played it with hammers, but I usually don't actively try to. Um, and your, your goal is to score four every round. And then bottom of round three and your your opponent, maybe they're getting five, maybe they're getting four, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're keeping up with you and threatening to score out on round four just as you maybe score out higher because they've got five. Bottom of round three, as late as humanly possible, you pop well-laid plans, force them to drop all their extracts. All of a sudden, they're two VPs or three VPs lower than they expected. And you're still on track to win round four. And you just disengage and you say if you want to try hitting me to change the status quo so that you might get another round well you're gonna have to run into me which means you're functionally staggered um and yeah for for people who haven't played into that a lot and don't know how to like plan around the well laid plans obviously like the smarter someone gets the more you have to do mind games of like appropriate times but as like a very simple correct way to do it against virtually all players it'll just crash at them because they'll think that they're keeping parody and they'll be fine. And then all of a sudden you just cut their gas like end of round three and they just don't know what to do.
2: All right. I'd uh, like to back up real quick and just um, sort of maybe something we haven't said, but we've implied is you're not playing leadership very often um, because you need green goblin for that, but your yeah. key characters are not green goblin currently um but to kind of follow up on that this is going to be a little bit of the you know future talk but with the new green goblin that's coming with his buffs uh do you see anything changing or are you still going to kind of play the similar roster style that you're doing now
1: unclear uh so so <laughs> goblin getting better opens up a lot of things so Goblin being better means you can play well-laid plans more because there's higher tolerance for having him on the board when it isn't like the literal best case cubes like matchup. Yeah. Um which means that you can play more scenario focused spider foes, which increases the value of lizard and awk and mysterio and decreases the or well and it even makes Kingpin potentially playable, and some of the more fighty ones potentially They wouldn't fit into that kind of strategy, right? Um, You wouldn't necessarily want to play this only sometimes. Leader uh, killing focused spider foes. You might want to play like a more extract and like scenario focused spider foes. Um, I think it also makes foes are fast. Yeah, foes are by and large very fast. You've got, in uh, affiliation, four medium-based medium movers. Um, lizard, Green Goblin, goblin eye, Lizard. Yeah, you've got four of them. okay. And yeah. with those four, you can double move onto an opponent's B-slash-F line and interact with them which means you can steal enemy cubes if they under to a flank. It means on mutant madmen, you can just run at somebody with a four or five physical defense stat character and just force flip their own trap in their face and damage them. Um, you yeah, uh, they just cover a lot of ground generically. Great. Um, uh, so like th- there's already a lot of like neat little scenario based tricks baked into spider foes just by nature of the, medium base, medium movers, um, which admittedly any affiliation can do, but all of these guys have four physical defense or higher, which pairs incredibly well with Mutant Madman, which is one of two B secures that you would be playing on to abuse this, the other being Infinity Formula, which doesn't care about stats, of course.
2: Yeah, Real quick, one thing I'll add is just, I'm imagining Venom, where people literally cannot re-roll their dice at all, they can't get cover, anything and then you add in that leadership, it feels pretty brutal to have to yep. deal with. Um, so maybe Venom stocks go up a little bit. I, I know that Miss, it kills me because I know Mysterio just gets so much better with that free reroll thing, but I still don't know if Mysterio ever actually makes the cut because there's so many good characters. Um, I, so no I, I think more. that there
1: legitimately is a uh, potential for a um, swarmish build. Not quite Sam Spam, um, obviously not because you've got a four threat leader, but I think uh, Green Goblin increases the tolerance for going five or six wide a lot of the time, and just being an affiliated three that does some decent stuff if he can push through a damage I think is more than enough to make him see room there. Same with Craven, uh, I've I've been loving Craven when I get to play him. Uh, the only reason he got cut is because i only wanted to play him in a very small percentage of matchups and i decided i would rather have uh enchantress uh valkyrie hulkbuster and um who is the fourth aquae um
2: yeah i um craven's a fascinating character i sometimes find myself just staring at him going what's happening here
1: <laughs> so so <laughs> he's he's essentially just gwen but you take all the control stuff out you just make her hit a little bit harder and be tankier.
2: Yeah, he's like, like kind of like Gwen Zemo baby or something. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's a very interesting character.
1: And I've had games where he's done absolute great work. I think the biggest problem with him right now is that he excels as a D secure character, and nobody's playing D secures right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like, you just throw him off in a flank against some other random three threat. He'll throw them in a blender, like, real fast. Um, And then uh, all of his attacks, I think, uh, have advanced triggers on them. So you can even, like, if it's, like, a flip D, which would be uh, spider portals, uh, if you've already got it flipped, you can just, like, daze them and then just walk towards the enemy home point with your attack advance trigger and just like threaten to go over there. Um, he's got just like a lot of great little play when there's not as much emphasis on him, but I feel like there's a very heavy e focus right now or c, and I feel like he's a little bit less great there.
2: Makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, do you want. You guys have anything else to say about the characters in particular? Because otherwise I think I might move on to the tactics cards.
1: Oh, we, uh, we should uh, just wrap up on Auk. Uh, I, I found him great in the current meta. Like, sure, he's just essentially a worse version of Lizard, but that is more than okay for my purposes. I just need somebody who can stand on points and not die, and he occasionally does character throws,
0: and I'm happy with that. Well, not only that, but, like, you when you do for whatever reason, decide you do want to attack, you'll randomly do a spike. Like, yeah, yeah. So, sometimes
1: he just randomly blows up the world because of his wild doubling. It's crazy. Is that, uh, like I've, I found with Auk, either you're doing no damage or you're killing a character. It's never in the middle. <laughs> but uh, something interesting I found in the game in general is once better pieces are around you, you become more tolerable of a piece yourself. So yeah. I hated Auk in the past because he couldn't carry foes. But he was never meant to be that. I don't think with the way they designed him. He mm-hmm. was meant to be an affiliated role player that like he, does the scenario he, elements. He reminds me um, of Storm,
2: like the same role, but like actually better at it than her. Because he has got the double move throw range three that can like win games, but he moves even faster than she does, and he's got wall crawler just like she does. He's more d- tanky than she is. Uh, well, the more
1: defense. Well, she strikes. has stuff. There's trade-offs. Like, if you're in a meta that was like all Hawkeye and Cable, I would much rather have Storm than,
0: uh, Hawk, For example. yeah,
2: fair. I guess. I mean, if he's hanging back, he's he's better against throws. He gains power better because of his genius thing that he does. Um, he can he you know I don't know he he like you said he is a role player but that's how I see Storm as well.
1: Yeah, Storm is very much in that pocket. And I, I think essentially a large part of your frustration with X Men is there's not enough, like, core good enough pieces, right? Because, like, your core is going to be Storm, Domino, Beast. And, like, Domino's an A. Beast is maybe a B minus, I feel.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and if all of a sudden you can replace Beast with another A, then maybe all of a sudden you can feel better about playing X Men. Well, storm because she feels like less of a drag
2: i kind of have a theory that no team should have more than one role player in a game at the same time so like beast is semi role player too so if you got beast role player storm role player then that's why they have so much pressure on their unaffiliated because that you really got to like pick up the pace over there you know yeah you you've affiliated got a characters are kind of absolute
1: crap out of your unaffiliated slots when that's the case um yeah. Well, I would argue that Lizard is a role player in Spider Foes. He's a very good role player um, that is even potentially splashable, but at the end of the day, all he's doing is standing around and not dying for the most part. Occasional character throws, maybe he gets lucky and gets a wild on his 4 builder to push someone, but he's just kind of standing there menacingly and not really doing all that much. Like, well, that's, in, that's all I need uh, to do. <laughs> yeah, in the uh, game i had this week against brotherhood he almost failed to ko okoye it like barely came down to the last thing
2: yeah uh, i hear you but he's pretty damn good into okoye right like oh you're range two throw her out of range two he attacks range three he well if you also. have the
1: power in the first place
2: yeah it's a little dicey but th- this is where the leadership like and we're talking about Auk and, and Lizard. Both of them, they're you know, they're just a little bit more threatening with that leadership. Well, in, in lead general, a lot of
1: the foes they have really great builders that uh, are hampered by the fact that their dice pools are terrible.
2: Yeah, uh, but that leadership fixes things pretty well. Uh, you can more reliably get like a power, maybe two power off an attack now, where before you were spending a power to maybe get it back. Yeah. So. And, you know, that, that little bit counts. You know, you get a power for turn, you, you maybe get two power off your attacks, and then now you, now you got to throw. So, uh, And Lizard's throw is pretty good, right? Size three. So I hear you. Lizard may be not, like, the most exciting character, but I think he's proving himself The the community loves him, and he's being played out of affiliation a lot. So well, the fact ex- that you get him affiliated is pretty great.
0: It's like sometimes, though, it's like sometimes that simple is what you need, because simple can lead to consistency. Are
2: you guys the kind of guys who will throw Lizard onto like a middle cube and just kind of tell your opponent, like, deal with it?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. He he. If I'm not taking Angela on cubes for whatever reason, like, she doesn't fit into the team I want to build, Lizard just goes up and does it, and I'm just like, what are you going to do? Take down Lizard? <laughs>
2: It's possible, but it's quite hard, um, and most people can't allocate that many resources to the middle objective because you're busy. Like you know, a characters on the left, the characters on the right. You know, maybe I have to deal with some secures, so you don't really have the time on turn one to deal with lizard. And usually, one character isn't going to do it. But this does uh, segue pretty well into actually. Let's talk unaffiliated characters brought into foes. What do you got up for us on that, Mark?
1: Um. So. First off, Angela, you really like playing F-Extracts? Who's really good on F-Extracts with priority when you're picking it? Spider-Man. Somebody who can go up and grab it. You could do (laughs) Spider-Man. I chose Angela over Spider-Man. I'm not entirely sure why.
0: Spider-Man might have been the correct choice, actually. I think Um, in the current uh, meta, Angela's the better pick, to be honest. It's because of Sam Spam. Um, She's really good into there. Uh, just to, to, yeah. me that's what, to me, that's what screams is the current meta says that, Angela. Just, yeah,
1: that that's the thing. I I put her there specifically to deal with same spam, and then there's like no uh, X and O, X and one same spam in West. There's like one, <laughs> there's like one or two in the X and one. There's none in the X and O four rounds in, right? Uh, but West West is a weirdo meta. Um, yeah, so no, it may have been correct the... for me to play ASM, but I love Angela with the pop off. She also uh, synergizes incredibly well with Doom Prophecy. In fact, I won my game off of the back of a uh, Angela Doom Prophecy line this last week. Um,
2: yeah, I dig so. it. I mean, a- Angelic Assassin's is quite good. Range four or size four throws, very, very, very good. Yep, same spin. <laughs> um, hates all of
1: that. Wizards hate that.
2: Have you um, found her two power does like special things for you? Because I mean, that's also a huge selling point, right?
1: Every once in a while it unlocks things like you do the extract runaway thing with her and then she advance R&Ds of power onto somebody else so that they can do something on like a flip secure matchup or something.
2: Or or maybe does a mutant madman for you. So like she kind of does two things for you in a turn. Or have you ever grabbed two cubes with her and you kind of stick to one?
1: Depends on the matchup. Depends on how afraid I am of her dying. Uh, my default is to pick up two cubes on her because I'd rather have the cubes on one person, Um, especially somebody like Angela, who as soon as I realize I'm winning, I can just double run her into the corner and point and laugh. And most teams can't stop me from scoring two BPs around. And if I'm up by two or three to start and I'm holding on to all of that, it basically lost out the game on the spot. All right, anyone else? Dean. Oh, Hulkbuster. Oh, G. Yeah, you go with G.
0: Okay, uh, so oh, Jean started gosh. out as a meme, but she's actually really good in foes. Um, again, the reason why I played Gene is because Mark said Jean on the polls over and over and over again. And I said, fine, I'm going to play Jean. Um And she's actually really good when you're playing a Carnage build because she she protects Carnage from getting moved. Like your opponent's playing Enchantress. Uh, you want to bow Carnage? Too bad you can't um so it's like it's well, really good insurance for carnage um in some cases yes there's ways around it um but yeah she she's good insurance she actually can pack a punch um pretty well and she's got some good throws and she brings two powers if you want to do r&d stuff most of the time she's saving her power to be protective uh but she's actually really kind of solid in the foes uh, i i have enjoyed it and i would implore other people to give it a shot
2: Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I'd buy it, but I would so do I'm I'm mirror.
1: I'm gonna be real and lay down a confession. Um, when you set up the poll initially, I wasn't paying attention, and I thought it was Sploosh who had set up the poll, so I did Gene to call him, <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh, I guess I'm playing Gene. I was like, "Cool, <laughs> run with <Cool."> this." <laughs> uh, so I I don't think she's bad. Like, if I randomly had like a couple extra character slots, I would gladly throw her in there because I mm-hmm. think I would play her maybe 5% of my games or something like that. It's just, th- there were other things that were more likely to get played that I would just rather slot in above. Oh, her. absolutely. I think I, I think when much... she works, she is incredibly good as like a yes. wonderful tech piece. Great into Black Order, great into uh, Web Warriors. Wakanda. Um, yeah, Wakanda, though, there isn't really much Wakanda right now. Yeah, but um, if I, I can not docu- her into Dormammu, she's very good at burning down Dormammu, in my experience. That's,
0: that's fair. Uh, I, I would say though, I would much rather have ASM right now, and I blame you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you didn't do a poll for the second half,
1: so yeah. the last three
0: weeks are on you. Yeah, I you just gotta fix that. I just assumed I had to stick with the whole, the whole. Um... Oh, I mean, you did, but I didn't <laughs> tell you that, so I oh, can't okay. get blamed for it. Fair, fair enough. Um. Uh, you are going to say Hulkbuster next. Uh, I know you have thoughts on Hulkbuster, and I definitely have thoughts on Hulkbuster. Big
1: ol' HB. So Hulkbuster, and there's going to be an upcoming article on this. I'm not going to go like too in-depth here, but essentially the TLDR is I realized that I needed a 6th threat because I physically couldn't play 4-wide at 19, and I knew if I ran into a Midnight Suns player that could play 4-wide at 19 and I was playing 5-wide, I would get trashed. Because you, you, you know what Carnage hates? Never having prio against a team that's just chock full of mystic attacks. Um, Sounds bad. And so I was looking through the six threats. And I was like, Magneto. Eh. Uh, I needed somebody a little bit faster and more self-sufficient. Um, I looked at She-Hulk, and she was kind of cute. Um, Thanos was obviously a no-go. Um but at the end of the day, when you just run through the list, it just it had to be Hulkbuster. And I've been loving every minute of it. He's he's great at triaging a lot of the like really scary big threats. Uh he can just face tank Sam Spam. Um Sam Spam can't move him outside of Enchantress, and you just hunt down an Enchantress. Uh he's great at killing Sam Spam models. Uh he doesn't care about heroes for hire. Uh he, he just checks so many checkboxes. Um, and so I've been loving playing him, and I've been playing him in increasing amounts where I just play unaffiliated four-wide um, at points where I had never even originally planned on doing it, just to see what I could get away with. And sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. I think I have like a 60 or 70% win rate when playing four-wide unaffiliated Hulkbuster, um, all against pre-competitive people. Um, so I, I felt very good about it. And uh, th- there's some tricks I'm saving up my sleeve for at least the rest of the Swiss. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that, that should give a broad overarching picture of why he's attractive for I'll say, my foes list here now.
0: I'll say for me, the big thing is Mark told me to take Hulkbuster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, what should I change? He said, add Hulkbuster. You won't regret it. Um, And I don't. like When I first added it, I was like, what in the hell are you thinking? And I hated it. I was like, this is a stupid idea. And then I got a few more games in it, figured out how to play Hulkbuster a little better. And for me, he adds... I'm not going to go too in detail, kind of like what you said, but um, bare bones, he just adds something to the list that they are incredibly missing. Um, And it can completely change a game that you couldn't do before. And it just helps so much. And he's also... I found to be good, at least in theory, because I think I, had, I played in the first game, I played him into Dormammu and it went terribly for me. Um, but I have some thoughts on him into Dormammu that I think will actually work well. And Dormammu seems to be a trouble list for me. And um, I think he'd be good in the Midnight Suns as well, just because of the energy attacks. But yeah, for me, it's like Mark said, he checks all the blocks for something that you want in this list. And he just gives you a different angle that you don't normally have i'll leave it at that
2: all right any other characters you guys want to quickly hit so we can move
1: on Enchantress. okay Enchantress. <laughs> okay. Enchantress is a given like <laughs> yeah no i i just want to nominally mention so i took enchantress and valkyrie to round things out yeah. for the reasons that you have heard on podcasts since time immemorial i just yeah. want to shout them out as they fit in very great in Spider-Foes and uh, cover some bases that they don't necessarily do so well. Um, but we don't need to go into depth yeah. on why, because yeah, it should yeah. Be relatively self-evident. And they they do what they do in every team. Well, two thread of choice? Toad. Wait. I used oh. to have Toad as a second two before I pulled in Hulkbuster. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, 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 let's go ahead. Well, yes, I'm must... going
0: I was gonna say Toads. Toads is great because like there's so much threat going on that Toad can just grab an objective and run away the entire game, and that has won me games. Like yep, like it's he. he nobody cares about him because they're worried about Carnage, or they're worried about Buzzer or they're worried about something else. Like you can literally just grab an extract and you're gonna have it the entire game. So actually,
1: a little tidbit. I- I'm, uh, in the middle of wrapping up the, uh, two threat tier list, uh, which will probably go out same day as this podcast, but I was doing some double checking on what Toad can do. And if he's max two back holding, um, an extract, uh, Carnage can't attack him because a medium base, uh, single move range three attack, it uh, doesn't even do it with a medium move. Um, you also can't enchantress double move get within range one to steal with advanced R and D, because you're range two back instead of just the range one. Um so he's actually surprisingly insulated from uh stuff. Yeah, uh, all I'll, you, I'll you say you about to grab a midline piece.
2: I'll just say two threats. I think Aquoi is like guaranteed gonna get nerfed, personally. Um we don't, I mean, who knows if it's a big nerf or a little nerf, but if something shocking happens to Akoya, I think Toad and Nebula, they're going to jump up into the top tier. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to see, but picking Akoya is not a shocking decision right now. Yeah. So
1: again, another spoiler from the article, but uh, Akoya is number one, not even close. The next two are uh, Toad and Nebula, and then there's a massive gap between them and the rest
2: yeah yeah well i'm gonna hit up the tactics card so i'm gonna skip well laid plans because i think we kind of talked on that pretty well i mean i think it's worth saying the big thing with well laid plans is you you try to play it with cubes like that's just like the slam dunk right
1: cubes spiders depending on the matchup like if you got a matchup where you're trying to play that score out game but you discarded cubes it's fine to play spiders and just use well laid plans anyways it's not as good as cubes because like Cubes plus well laid plans damage means that you'll kill a lot of backline cheerleaders randomly.
2: Sure, and it works on everything, which is cool. Uh, not all of these kind of cards work on everything. It's it's literally just objective.
0: It's not asset. Um, it's not citizen. It it does not work on researcher. Okay, I, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> you said yes. Everything. It does not work on
2: researcher. You have to be holding an objective. But uh yeah.
0: Um, oh, just just real quick though, like on your other scenarios, like let's say Creecor or Scrolls, it's almost not worth taking. Like I guess you can make an argument for it, but in my opinion, you're better off just chasing the person down and killing it with Carnage. Um, it's it's not worth a tactics slot in my opinion on those like one extracts.
1: Yeah, if they're if they're running so far that you can't just hunt and kill them then forcing them to drop it with well-laid plans usually isn't enough anyways, because that means that you probably can't get to it and pick it up in time, at which point on the next round they'll just pick it up and keep on running.
2: I'm going to skip on one question uh, because obviously we're going to want to know how to beat foes at some point, but if you're playing into foes and you win priority, is this card good enough that you don't let them get extracts and then... um. You know, obviously you guys mentioned Scrolls Alien Ship Researcher. That's that's sort of the counterpicks. Is that something your opponent needs to be thinking about? I would say
1: if you do not feel particularly comfortable in playing into spider foes, like you haven't played them a lot recently, do not give them extracts. Just yeah. don't. <laughs> I, I think it's playable if you've played the matchup. Um, but I think there's just like a lot of little details that if you don't know them and don't respect them, you're gonna get blown out of the water and it's gonna be very painful. I'm big on,
2: um, go ahead, Mark.
1: Yeah. Like if, if you don't understand their like slow score strategy for well-laid plans pop, um, and you like, don't play correctly, like you, you need to play like more aggressively in some ways and, uh, compensate some other things. Um, it can just be absolutely brutal if you let them pull it off.
2: Is, um, healing factor something people can do to kind of beat you a little bit on that strategy especially with cubes i don't think so or is it still annoying because you're just dropping things in awkward times
1: it's more about dropping things it's less about dazing them dazing them is a really nice bonus and i think it makes certain matchups even better like if i get to put down cubes into web warriors it's like i feel like i've already won the game because web warriors are balanced around the fact that their defense dice are so insane that their stamina across the board are all trash, right? So all of a sudden you're introducing cubes, which is non-attack-based damage. You've got well-laid plans, non-attack-based damage. Sinister Sinister traps, traps, (laughs) non-attack-based damage. Like, you can all of a sudden just layer up a lot of auto damage. Um, So, like, certain matchups, that matters. Um, And healing factor would help to mitigate those matchups. So Like, Web Warriors right now, I feel, is playing a lot of Lizard, which I would... If Lizard is in your roster as a Web Warriors player, um, and for whatever reason I get extracts, you need to put Lizard down, I think. That's a huge help in terms of, like, limiting what I can do. Um,
2: Okay. Uh, So, last thing on that. um, I'm big on forcing different threat values. Is there just, like, a threat value that comes to mind? High, low, medium where maybe your opponent can at least make you not want to play well-laid plans because you don't really want to bring Green Green Goblin. Um, And of course, this question is a little biased to Green Goblin getting buffed and maybe just being a better mini at some
1: point, you know? Is there any threat values Uh, that are a little awkward for that? It depends on the roster. So um, when you play well-laid plans, you want to play five wide or six if you're playing really high threat, um, usually um if you're like playing the dedicated game plan you typically want to play five wide so if you can find a threat where they can't play goblin and play five wide um you can force them off of well-laid plans um so it, it depends no on the roster mind. 14. well 14 um fair 14 i guess will yeah. annoy the hell out of them it, like it, it'll basically like hard stop well laid plans. Like they can play a four wide team with well laid plans, but assuming you're putting sword down into them because you let them have extracts and yeah. you're picking fourteen, Um I think they have bigger fish to fry if they play four wide well laid plans. Uh, like you can play four wide foes at fourteen, is definitely doable, but you you don't play it for like an extract plan like that. Oh, you um, you're killing. <laughs> Yeah, like if fourteen through sixteen, I I think is if they feel sufficiently motivated. Like if if Web Warriors put me to sixteen with uh, is it uh, Black yeah, maybe Order they just do? Uh, they can do the
2: they can do the Black Order secure with like you yeah. picking cubes.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think that necessarily stops me from playing well laid plans. I think I just play that anyways because. We're just gonna play a D split to parity, and I'm going to play for a cube advantage.
2: Okay, so you maybe run in lizard. You're not playing Angela, something like that. Um, but all right. Um, interesting. Uh, I'm gonna to try to skip over a few to make this quicker. I mean, you guys don't bring monkey brain or never would, right? Monkey What's brain that card? Is lizard. It's the a card that I for I, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I don't think I, it's I, bad. I just don't think it's worth a slot.
0: No, it's not.
2: And then There Will Be Carnage. It's the carnage card uh, that roots people. You, you probably would never bring that, right? No. No. Uh, I was for a then...
1: while, but that's because TTS was bugged, and uh, you couldn't play carnage rolls. You could only play There Will Be Carnage. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so Carnage Rules is the one that gives Carnage an extra attack. I think you both slammed on this. Is there anything cute or interesting about this card that we should cover? Or uh, it's an advance,
1: is- not a push, which not a lot of people realize on first reading. Mm-hmm. Um, which means that you can like send people through people. You can um,
2: yeah. Oh, uh, you got like long movers, right? Because it's their
1: speed. No, it's short. It's okay, short. it's short, okay. It's, it's not just strictly yeah, I better, it would be horrifying. Yeah, that'd be um, crazy. But since it is an advance, it means you do have to walk around terrain that you can't climb.
2: Yeah, I suppose if they're flying or wall, uh, wall crawlers, that's pretty cool for you too, right? So there's that. I, I would
0: say the one thing is if Karnad is sit on four power and you think you're safe, you're probably not safe.
1: Yeah, well, so so sorry, just to circle back because I want to make sure this point sinks in. Uh, if you don't have wall crawler or, or Flying and you're hiding behind a size 3 building, Carnage actually can't get to you. Because um, since it's an advance that has to be towards, and if you're base-to-base base with the building, that means I yeah. can't move at all. I'm out of his LOS. He just not a valid sure. target for him.
2: But the card itself doesn't require a line of sight. You just need to be able to move that character. And that character would need to have Flying or something to move. Right? Yeah. So...
1: Let me just confirm. Uh, I don't think it requires LOS. No, it does not.
2: No, it doesn't. Um, okay, I, I I mean, I don't think there's a lot to say. Carnage Rules is an insane card. Bring it, right? You're bringing Carnage. Yes. You're bringing this card. And
1: any card that gives you a bonus attack should be given serious consideration. Mental Domination, Cruelty. Um, uh, there's probably a couple others I'm forgetting. Yeah. I there, mean, there's there's ones that give you a super attack that still costs an action, which depending on the one, maybe they're fine but ones that just say you get to make an attack, um, extra always worth considering in my view. Like if criminal syndicate was getting played, I would expect to see a lot of cruelty nowadays.
2: Yeah, it's a good card. Um, so the other thing I'll say about carnage rules, rules that's kind of interesting is if all you've got is banned, which a lot of people just feel it is, uh, this card is kind of like baby all you've got for carnage. Um, and then you add in like obviously the Doom Prophecy play and maybe even like a Blind um, Obsession play, and you can get, put some spice into this card. So it's pretty yep. good. Here's one hey, that don't... um, I, I so I was really high on Carnage when he was in Criminal Syndicate. I think there's still something there with that r- roster using like all according to plan.
1: Yep. I all thought when plan, I saw activation compression, you've got a lot of tools there to hold prio, which is something that Carnage really likes.
2: Yeah, so, but there's this card, uh, I don't even know how to say this, Neogenetic Recombinator?
1: Neogenetic Recombinator.
2: Yeah, so this card, when I first saw it, made me think, oh, maybe you can, like, steal Cryo with this card. Have you found this card playable? Is that even a thing that you can do? Have you put any thought into that?
1: So, I was playing it in the early dojo phase, but the problem is, right now, you already are essentially forced to take Three tactics cards every game? Four. Uh, Carnage, Rules, Doom, Prophecy, All You've Got. What's the fourth? Sinister Traps. Traps. Yeah, usually Sinister Traps. So usually you're locked into four. Sometimes you don't play Sinister Traps. I've been playing more unaffiliated, so I'm more comfortable with leaving it at home. Um, But uh, you get one tactics card slot, and Neogenetic Recombinator just never is the best of your remaining four, ever.
2: Well um uh, I want to talk about Sinister Traps last. I left that last on purpose. Um yeah. but what would you add other than like I guess to, to round this out for the people listening, what would on if you know what cards What's your, like, fifth if you're, card? If often? you're
1: playing Mysterio, Grand Illusion, I think is an incredibly good card. It's, like, Bitter Rivals. Uh, well, I mean, you, you just have to go through the greatest hit of tactics, and that's usually the fifth card. Yeah. So, sure. like, Advanced R&D, Blind Obsession, Bitter Rivals, um, Disarm, uh, Sacrifice. Uh, maybe you're playing Iron Fist as a splash so you can Heroes for Hire. Um, I think Luke Cage also um, would be interesting in Spider-Futters, but... Um, I take Venom, so Lethal Protector. Yep. Um, and yeah, just character-specific cards, the like kind of like OP main ones,
0: maybe a mission
1: objective.
0: So I will say uh, I did play around with the Neogenetic Recombinator at the beginning as well. I like the thought of it. I like the idea. I think it has game in uh, MCP 2.0 uh when the the rules change comes through when you get 10 tactics cards because then you can actually fit it into your roster you may be more inclined to take it. Um it does have game. It's just like Mark said though, like you're more often than not struggled for tactics cards. So maybe after a new BNR something change and you might be seen taking it. Uh but it does yeah. it it does do that though. Like it can help you maintain priorities like well uh Mysterio is on three out of five and um little two threat here is on three out like two out of four or whatever uh, i'm gonna keep mysterio alive. by two thread that hasn't activated yet It's now, days. now i have priority what are you gonna do about it um
2: and it kind of combos with cubes right because you kind of kill your own characters and then kind of tactically do
0: this so yeah it, like it's a yeah. it's a cool card and like it has game it's just in the current meta it does not it, it you just can't play it because there's no room like mark said it's, it's just it's tough
2: all right, um, well, I want to hit Sinister's Trap before I do any other thoughts. Or I, I did leave out Grand Illusionist. I think Grand Illusion gets way better when um, Bitter Rivals maybe gets restricted, and like I think when Mysterio becomes more of a staple. I, I, I agree. Well, I think
1: also just for anybody listening who wants to get into Spider-Foes but doesn't want to go out of their way to buy the Medusa Black Bolt box, you can get a very reasonable approximation as long as you're willing to commit to playing Mysterio. Which is, is a bad. very
2: fun character to play. I love yeah, that character, and
1: um, he—he's he, not bad by any stretch. Like I said, he like with the way that I was playing, he only came in a very small percentage of the time versus Liz, uh, Lizard and Doc Ock, who just like yeah. always fit with my game plan. And once you've got your affiliated core, you start looking at splashes for higher optimization. But I—I yeah. I think you could get ninety-five to ninety-eight percent of what my roster is doing with. Mysterio instead of Valkyrie and uh, find some room for Grand Illusion.
2: Sure. So let's hit Sinister Traps, man. Um, I think this is a great card. I remember when we talked about it in the podcast when we were hot taking it, we were kind of like all over the place and even confused in how it works at some point. I remember Jacob was trying... (laughs)
0: Yeah,
2: Jacob tried to convince us of some rule about, I don't know, something, and we're like... He he was
0: under the... um... He was under the assumption that, or like he thought that it stayed. It wasn't, like, used up after the oh, first time. Right. And
2: we were like, that's yeah. insane. It's already so good. So, um, I guess, I mean, maybe you got maybe Mark, you want to lead us, but uh, what the card does, how good is it? When Maybe, like, a trick you could teach people that maybe they don't even think about, or, you know, just how, maybe okay. tell us, how good is this card?
1: So, this card is absolutely nuts, on well hammers, if people haven't played it. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, Hammers or Fear fear Grips World as Worthy Terrorized Cities, I'm always bad about remembering its proper name, is the D-shaped one where you can pick up the extracts. Um, and so what you can do is you, uh, well, rolling it back. Sinister Traps is you put it on a crisis element on the board. The first time anybody gets within range two of it, no matter how they did, um, you roll five dice, crit wild hit, uh is a damage so it's usually about two damage but it can be five it could be none um and if you do any damage which is like 90 percent likely um you uh get to push them short uh or just to be more specific uh this effect happens on the first person moves there and then the enemy player roll uh, the opposite player of whoever moved in rolls the dice does the damage in the push um and uh if you put it on a hammer and your opponent doesn't have certain uh tricks it can absolutely screw them so uh most people need to double move to get onto the midline to interact right um which means that if they can't trigger the trap in the first move uh, they have to uh, move again and they get pushed off and they're not even standing on it, which means then I can just go and pick it up. Um, if you have some tricks, you can, uh, for example, Midnight Suns can walk, bump, get pushed short back and then uh, walk back on. Um,
2: well, like normal characters, like a, a small base long mover could trigger it. Um, yeah, how about medium base, medium mover? They trigger, I it believe, medium hold?
1: base, medium mover just barely triggers it. But the problem is with them, so you can trigger it in a single move, but if you get pushed short back, you, uh, if I recall correctly, you don't have enough movement to actually get back on the point hmm. unless uh, want... you got bumped by terrain.
2: Yeah, I'll check it out. I do want to mention too. You mentioned um, hammers, and you know, uh, like fear grips world as worthy terror City. That that hammers has taken like over sixty percent of all players online. So, being good on hammers is is a big deal. And, yeah, and hammers, hammers, is hammers
1: is should good, get fun until you yeah, play and some hammers should
2: draft. should get more popular with the new system because I think a lot of people see hammers as kind of like a neutral ground and a kind of a safe pick. So I. I think hammered could even get more popular in the future.
1: Um, yeah, and I, I feel like Foes has incredible um, play into it because of Sinister Traps. Oh, the the other main trick. So you can play this into Web Warriors, but it kind of like depends on how ballsy you are. So ASM can single move onto the midline and grab something, right? Um, okay. Sinister Traps will push them away short, which means he would have to move twice to pick it up. But if you don't do exactly one damage with the trap, uh, which I forget the odds of it, but it's not the most likely. It's like, I don't know, one in six or something. Um, he'll have enough power to do his range three place onto the, the uh, midpoint anyways, and then just interact and walk back anyways. Um, I usually still take it for the free damage on ASM. Um, especially if I'm doing it on like something like Cubes. But if you feel like you're trying to use it to stop um, ASM from grabbing the middle, it's not going to work most of the time. Uh, and then one final, I guess, trick slash interaction, but um, always be on the lookout for uh, not having to put it on the um, the actual point that you want to get onto that you're denying them from. Sometimes you can put it on another scenario element that's on the way. So like a lot of the times people have like a C, um, which is the middle line, right? Uh, and uh, your your opponent is going to try and go to one of the side C points. But on the way, there's a B extract or secure element. So like a citizen from panic or like the infinity formula or mutant madman trap. And you can put it on their one on their side because... If they deployed directly across from C, it is incredibly hard to uh, not walk within two of that point and uh, still make it onto the midline for certain characters. And so just watching for stuff like that can be really valuable.
2: I checked the medium move, medium base, and they they do make it. It's uh, relatively close, but... If you just go as fast as you can, middle you'll, you'll if you it.
1: push short back, yeah, I thought it was just short,
2: yeah, I mean, I was using the like tips of the movement tool as you should, um but yeah, it worked out,
1: interesting, uh,
2: but I mean, terrain isn't always cooperative either, right, like sometimes you yeah. gotta like move at a weird angle, and that could ruin everything <laughs> um. Uh, I just want to add, too, I don't know if you have more, but um, I found that Baron Mordo is kind of hilarious into the trap because he has the boots of Valtor. So assuming he takes like a damage or two, ideally really two damage, uh, he gets the power to use the boots and he can just immediately put himself back wherever you move him from, uh, which is cute. (laughs) But uh, yeah, yeah.
1: very, very similar to uh, ASM in that respect.
2: Yeah. Where if you do too yeah. much
1: damage, it just gets
0: undone. Fair.
2: Um, yeah. Any other tricks down, Blizzard, if you have anything to say? Um,
0: don't try and trigger a track with a Koye. Because <laughs> then you're going to lose a Koye. <laughs> I, I
2: saw um, Mark actually kill Sooner's Black Widow with a Tramp before. Yeah. I, I,
0: I would highly recommend not using a two threat to do it, unless you just really don't care. Because uh, that's going to be the time that the person rules five um, or four. <laughs> um, right. I killed the person, Sequoia, by doing it. Then she was KO'd beginning of round two. Um, and that's, that's all I really say is, like, choose wise again who you're using to set the trap off if you need to set it off. If not, like, you kind of have to set it off because if you ignore it, then you're playing into what the person wants you to do anyways. So, like, it's it's kind of a... Risk versus reward, what are you going to do? Ignore it, lose the points, or pick the right character. Like, say you have Mordo, like Spooch was saying, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you're going to take damage, but you're not going to die. Um, and sure, you might get moved, but you can move right back on the point. Uh, so pick a character that is going to survive. And if you have somebody with a little trick up their sleeve like that, then those are the best types of people to use to set the traps off.
2: Healing um, factor is pretty decent.
0: Yeah, healing factor would really be too bad because, but if it one shots you, which I've seen more often than not, um, like yeah. it's it's hilarious when Sinister Traps one shots you. I've had it happen twice. I don't know how many times you've had it happen, Mark, but it does happen.
1: Yeah, it's rare, but not unheard
0: of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I would say is choose wisely with who you set the trap off with. Also, if you're playing foes, um. Using Venom to pull somebody into a trap if they're trying to avoid it is so much fun. Or using Carnage Rules to pull somebody into the trap, but then you might kill them, which is kind of sad. Um, it's never
2: sad when you kill someone.
0: It is, because you waste Carnage Rules. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but you I mean, should
2: have a backup plan in that case. Yeah. Uh,
0: Venom, Venom is typically the best bet. Use Venom to like pull somebody in, because you can R&D over to Venom, he gets two power, and then pull somebody into the trap who's trying to avoid it. Uh, that's typically like the go-to for me if someone's actively trying to avoid it and I have somebody specific. Because really cool with it, now I'm going on a tangent, but what's really cool with it is um, you put it on a point, your opponent goes and tries to avoid it, R&D, one to Carnage, one to Venom, Venom comes up and pulls. They get hit by the trap. You move them closer to Carnage. And now Carnage has somebody to eat round one. And you're KOing somebody round two. And going on your stupid rampage super early. And like, it's not the best of plays. Just because if you do go on that rampage super early, you're really giving a priority way too early in the game. Um, but if you really just want to have a fun time just killing models, it's so much fun to play that with Carnage and Venom.
2: Is there an objective you wouldn't bring it? Like what about demons? Mark? Uh,
1: what about demons? Demons I is mean, great?
2: is there a situation where you wouldn't bring uh sinister traps? Is like demons good for it or not? Uh,
1: like I mean it it depends on the matchup, like are you gonna want random damage on their characters? Um I, I pretty much think about it in terms of the extract. I basically never think about it in terms of the secure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So like, if, if it's like research, if it was like demon's research, I could see playing the sinister trap if I felt I was going to seed the researcher anyways and just say, well, you're you're going to take like two or three damage on whoever you send into the middle and I'm just going to drag them in and kill them. Yeah. Pretty um, much
0: exactly what I just talked about. Like that's the yeah. only time I would play since Traps on a researcher is when I'm going for that.
1: Yeah, like that that's the thing, but that that's purely about researcher. I'm like trying to think about like if demons affects that and all, and it doesn't really for me. No.
2: What if it's like demons uh alien ship?
1: Well, I I probably wouldn't play it on alien ship, to be entirely honest.
2: Okay, well, that so then that goes back to what you're saying. It's more about the extract and less about the
0: secure. Yeah, I don't think I would play it on gamma, like. But I guess it comes back to like you're saying the extract, like what extracts are paired with it. So yeah, that's fair.
2: All right. Um. Anything else to synergy trap? Do you guys want to move on on that?
1: No, I think we've pretty much covered All it. All right.
2: Um. So I guess where do the spiderfoss fit in the meta? I Current, feel pretty great about them. Currently? <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, and, and maybe future, but definitely you guys seem to be doing pretty well. Um, I, I know that they seem to have a very convincing win rate against uh, Sam Spam. So that's certainly a thing.
0: I would honestly say anywhere from B plus to A. Okay,
2: but... You want to elaborate? Like, is there matchups you're happy about? Matchups you're scared of? Do you feel like uh,
0: I was scared of Sanspam until I actually played against it with my current list, and that's just because every time I played against Sanspam in the past, I didn't play it properly, um, and then it became Sanspam. is like, oh, this is okay. Um, Web Warriors, I'm a little concerned about just because of scenarios that they typically bring. I hate spider portals. Uh, absolutely hate spider portals just because i like not because of foes particularly but because i just hate that scenario um and i never it's also
1: just not great for them not like all all other you want to take carnage carnage has the literal worst energy defense in the game i mean their energy defenses are average across the board except for carnage yeah but it's well and venom venom and carnage really don't like that
0: um, it's just a bad scenario for them too, because if you roll at school, which you're gonna roll, then Carnage gets displaced, Venom gets displaced, which is absolutely terrible for them. Like that scenario can literally take out your your biggest players out of the game. Um, and and it's, I think it's, this circles
1: back to what I was saying earlier about how the uh, the new Green Goblin opens up like more yeah. scenario focused strategies. Like right now, if you're playing like fighting focused foes, which is like led by Carnage and occasionally Venom. Yeah, they get absolutely screwed by spider portals.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, but for very... me, for me right now, I'd say Web, Web Warriors is probably the biggest. Maybe Midnight Suns. Yeah,
1: what do you well, think? So man? like I was talking earlier, I uh, mentioned Midnight Suns by name for why I put Hulkbuster in. Yeah. Um, uh, I spent a lot of time thinking that Midnight Suns was gonna be a boogeyman more than same spam in the preseason <laughs> yes. dojo. Uh I'm wrong about that. Um
2: okay.
1: In general, honestly, my biggest fear is Mike. <laughs> well unfortunately <laughs> is I it A force or like, is it Mike? Uh so really good enchantress players are scary. I don't care as much about Medusa because like I don't even know if he's gonna bother putting down Medusa into me. Probably because he loves her so much, but... um,
2: Mm, Medusa's pretty sketchy against foes with all that physical defense.
1: Yeah, like, she she doesn't actually do all that much um, into them. Uh, The throw is annoying, because, like, I've actually got size 3 stuff, but... um, Yeah, I'm not so worried about Chi-Hulk. I'm just worried about the fact that he is an incredibly good Enchantress abuser. And Enchantress can be a total nightmare for uh, foes. Mm
2: -hmm. All right. Um, Well, maybe related, maybe not. But maybe more generically, like how do foes win? Are they like an attrition team? Do they fit under the cookie cutter descriptions that we usually use? Or are they kind of unique in some way?
1: Well, so like I was mentioning earlier with the four-round game plan, right? They they kind of play this weird thing where they try and play for parity. They break parity with a pop-off, like well-laid plans, like uh, Carnage, Doom Prophecy, all you've got, kill their whole team. Um, And then you use that kind of blank out on your opponent's scoring to essentially rack up a lead when you're already threatening to score on round four. And then you force them to make very suboptimal moves. And even if they stop you from scoring on round four, it's basically inevitable that you yep. finish winning by round five. And I don't feel like there's a lot of teams that quite work like that right now. Because, uh, well, specifically because of the amount of like out of nowhere reach that well aid plans and carnage have. They So they kind of get to play back and say, hey, you got to come into me. And if you don't come into me enough... I'll just like get you from across the board and screw you up anyways.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like a weird hybrid to me. I I, I completely agree with that. I just want to say like, cause typically you'll be like round one, three to five points round two, three to five points. Like it's that average, whatever number you get, depending on your scenario. And then like round three or four or typically round three, you're like plus eight points um, and your opponent's getting nothing. And it's, like it's exactly how Mark said just one like emphasize like like that point disparity is typically like the max points is what the foes player will be scoring if they did it correctly
2: Hmm. okay and it seems like you're almost doing like tempo attrition versus like hard just like kill a board wipe kind of strategy right
1: yes and also part of this is it's the the one thing that makes you live or die in this play style so if people hear this and they're like man i'm bad at this don't try foes because you're gonna have a real bad time you have to understand exactly how to get and maintain priority Mm -hmm. because you need to have priority on round three otherwise it like kind of falls apart
0: it's kind of like how i was talking earlier about my game in the sam spam like i left carnage with one whole act action just sitting there because if i did anything like i i lose the game um But because I was conservative about it, it absolutely turned into like a stomping of me just killing everything the next turn. Do
2: you think that the fact that Sam Spam is kind of playing maybe more characters than most people are, that that kind of gives you a bit of an edge where maybe you could even say foes are kind of the swarm beater sort of team? Like it's kind of like maybe almost an identity for them.
1: Well, th- that that's the thing. I think a lot of great teams out there can do this right now because I think there's a lot of five wide teams that actually can compress to four wide when pushed, like Midnight Suns, like A Force. Um, oh, okay. Well, hell, even Dormammu, um, where you can pull onto Pryo for like the entirety of the game of same span. They maybe get Pryo on round one, but they never ever get it ever again. Um. Right, And I think there's a lot of good space to play there into Sam Spam. I think uh, Spider-Foes do it particularly well because they've got a pop-off character in Carnage. So once you take him and Angela and you just start layering in a lot of stuff, even though you don't have Mystic Attacks to bypass uh, Iron Fist, you actually just have a lot of ways to punch through even their tanky characters.
2: So I mean, normally people take five characters. Samspan takes six. Maybe the Sam Spam player tries to get savvy and takes five, but then you might see that coming and go for four. I mean, is that kind yeah. of what you're getting at there?
1: Yeah, you you want to try and play more narrow. Um, I think I think five wide Sam Spam has not been explored nearly enough, and I fully expect uh, with the revised Hulk that we're going to see experiments with four wide Sam Spam
2: yeah and then it gets weird,
1: <laughs> yeah and then like it, 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 that that's the cool thing about same i I know that a lot of people are like annoyed by same spam because they're like uh three times like as big as any other affiliation in terms of popularity. yeah you're just more you know, likely to play against right?
2: them and you're yeah, but your you're present actually a puzzle.
1: has an incredible amount of depth. And the thing is, the the more you do to him, the more weird angles you get out of him, um, which means that he's going to be constantly reinventing himself, which I'm, I'm just excited to see new flavors of Sam Spam. Like when I saw the Nashcon lists where there were, what, five Sam Spam players and like yeah, they were all totally all different. different rosters. Um, I, I thought that that was actually an incredibly good sign for Sam Spam that like, Uh, there's a ton of cool different ways to build around it because i feel like in the past a lot of affiliated rosters have been eight nine ten characters identical when you look at like top level players of that affiliation like wakanda i mean like it changed from season to season but usually wakanda players like converged on whatever was the most efficient at that time um yeah or like black order there's like no difference in Black Order. Uh, rosters, yeah, they're stuck. <laughs> you, you can do a lot of weird different stuff with same spam and it plays completely differently.
2: I agree with you. Um, Two thoughts on that. Uh, we don't want to stick on this too much, but one yeah. is um their roster is something like 20 characters. So like, and, and then with the Hulk buff and potentially more buffs in Avengers, you know, that's kind of the sky's the limit for them. And the two, this is not an insinuation of overpoweredness or anything but I have noticed in different games, different metas, sometimes something will get banned or the, you know, that will shift or maybe like, for example, if all you've got takes, gets taken away from Sam Spam. I think that that'll actually breed more innovation that we just haven't seen yet. And they're still new, right? So just people need time to innovate. Uh, So I don't expect to see Sam Spam really go away. I think they'll just mold and shift and I think, like even just the invulnerable team that we saw at Neshcon was pretty damn good, honestly. I, I don't even think that list needed uh, all you've got to be good. I I uh, have a
0: quick question for Mark. Um, yeah,
1: I have a quick answer.
0: If all you got <laughs> does get banned, does that hurt Carnage? No,
2: I think because I mentioned earlier, Carnage rules kind of like takes over for that. Yeah,
0: and and also you don't have to fight
2: against it,
0: right? Well, I, honestly, I think it almost helps your roster out just because it gives you more flexibility.
1: So I, I guess here, here's here's a way of thinking about it. Um, Medusa rolls, um, at best, 24 dice in an activation, right? Mm-hmm. That's five dice plus a reroll, and you flurry, so four times that, because two actions with two attacks each, right? So that's 24 dice. Um that you're losing from all you've got. Carnage only loses 10.
0: Yeah. I mean, potentially 20. But... Well, 20 <laughs> if
1: you're playing Doom Prophecy, yes. But he is still losing less damage output on the board, um, especially because all you've got, Carnage, is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, so that's going to be 60. So he's, he's only losing about a third of his current dice output if you Which take away carnage all that rules forgot.
0: makes up for
1: yeah well because carnage rules and uh, paint the town red will give you two more attacks right yeah. so you're going from six attacks in an activation down to four where Medusa's going from eight to, to four. four yeah
2: um, you know you probably should have killed the things that you're attacking anyway by then
0: yeah all you got um, is just overkill with yeah <laughs> but 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 the point is
1: he is because he's got power like tied up in that tactics card already even if you take away all you've got um he just loses proportionally less it's the same for cassandra I, and gene or a, any characters
0: i kind of i kind of feel like, like if you lose all you got I feel like you're gonna start seeing more maximum carnages pop off because you're gonna have the power for that more often than not. Because typically you don't use maximum carnage because you're trying to hit all you got.
1: That's a possibility. Lord. I mean the, the there's still like the positioning foibles, but yeah, yes, potentially.
2: Assuming it's even possible and that your opponent's nice and in a juicy spot for you. Yeah. yeah. Um I I got I so I'm gonna segue because we mentioned the carnage. How does you how does someone new to spider play Carnage and not just lose Carnage and have him die in a ball of fire?
1: <laughs> play him weirdly cagey. Um I also recommend setting him up.
2: Like you hold him to last activation. Like what are you thinking about when you You hold it?
1: him till last on round one very usually, unless you know that nobody's gonna be able to screw with him wherever he's going to end up at the end of his activation, then you can do him early. Um like, Do if you you're playing on, like, a B-secure. Um, well, I usually place him, like, midfield, but still on my side, usually. Well, But, um, I mean, the, in I, deployment,
2: like, is he middle? Or you're, you're thinking about that? I mean, it depends he, on the
1: crisis. Um, I play a lot of Bs and Fs, so yeah. you can very often be on a flank. Uh, I basically try and figure out where's, like, the most relevant part of the board. So, typically based on the secure, right? um. Yeah where where is he going to need to stand to be scenario relevant, and then I line him up with that so uh I'm either playing e or b, so he's either center or one of the sides
0: i'd say I'd say something to think about would be um where do you want carnage to be at the beginning of the next round yeah.
1: Exactly. You, where Where do you set up on the next round? Because uh, assuming you're taking advanced R&D, it means even if your opponent does nothing, you can threaten to doom prophecy. Round two with carnage. Assuming That's you don't pick up an extract. Okay, um, there you go.
2: That's a spicy play right there. And he's he's got wall you, you and he's, he's very fast. You typically don't
1: do it, but you want to be constantly representing the threat. It, sure. It's like the Teddy Roosevelt quote: uh, "Speak softly and carry a big stick." You 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 want to. You want to quietly threaten people with carnage.
0: Sure. Yeah, I think his presence. Right. I think Mark hit at those like being extremely cagey with him. Um, Like that's really just what you got to do. Like, and also like I, I, like I've been saying this whole episode is like carnage is probably the one character in this entire game that you have to be the most like mindful about your actions and using your action economy wisely, as well as, Knowing when to be conservative, like I could go and kill three models this turn, but should you kill three models this turn? Probably not. Um, And it kind of comes down to that. And it's so easy to get like that bloodlust when you're playing him, where you just like I can kill three models and get away with it, and then it comes around and it's like okay, I can't actually get away with it. Um, (laughs) But it's like if you're if you're looking at him, like it's just like things you gotta consider. Like he's so oh, I guess has a super high. Activation economy, action economy, whatever you want to call it, because of Paint the Town Red and Carnage rules and all that, that he can do so much in one turn. It's just knowing how to pop it off correctly.
2: So I don't know where you, if you guys want to take any this, but I, I when I <laughs> I played Carnage once on the Fisk uh, Secure and accidentally was too close to the Fisk Secure and my opponent just moved it over, hit me with a stun, and I wanted to kill myself because it was so awful. So like stunning carnage is
0: quite unfortunate. I don't think I've ever intentionally stunned carnage. No, but no, well, <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't no. put him on the
2: point. I, I, I forgot that like my opponent can range to you know, oops, it's basically yeah. like a medium tool distance.
0: I would say stunner, stun stunner, stunner shock, stunner shock are absolutely terrible for him. Stun yeah, being, sucks. stun being the highest thing because he wants that power to be able to do everything.
2: Yeah, he wants a lot of power. I mean at least five per turn at least, right?
0: Yeah, but he can typically get that off his attack, but not with stun. Like if he has stunned. Sure. He... Yeah,
2: but he's stunned, that's just not happening. Yeah. So yeah. I don't is there anything else, Mark, that uh makes Carnage frustrated or things to watch out for? Stagger. <laughs> I mean stagger makes everybody sad, right? Yeah. Um, but I think he's definitely high on the stun is bad list. Um, yes. to the point stun where, is
1: painful. Yeah. Beat him to death or just, like, somehow control him without giving him power. I mean, Rogue also just terrifies Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, she beats him up with energy, saps him, and then whatever power he ends up with, she just drains it anyways. And then he can't even hurt her all that good, because uh, she's for physical flat damage reduction.
2: Hmm. Can't bleed, though, but, you know, nothing spectacular. All right, well, um. so... I don't know. Back to the uh, just how they play all that. I mean, you want to play fast-scoring games, slow-scoring games against these guys? I mean, like, what's the general gist of how do you play against foes? Mm-hmm. It sounds like you guys are trying to play a fast game. You're kind of playing this weird like hybrid of... Uh, I mean, is that not...
1: fast? Round
2: 4? Uh, round 4 is considered pretty fast. And I mean, if... uh, 3 is like... Super speed, right? Four is like you're kind of doing a very good job, and you're if you win on turn four, I would say that's relatively fast. And yeah, after that, I mean,
1: round four is if everything goes literally perfectly, except yeah, it, it, like it often goes off on round five. You're you're essentially saying if you do literally nothing to stop me and roll over, I win on round four.
2: Yeah, I would say that's pretty normal for all teams, though. I mean, if you yeah. can get a turn three win, you. Probably you're rubbing something in your opponent's face, like it's you know, right? So, I would say turn four is what I would consider fast because if I'm playing in a a real attrition list like termamu or black order, I'm expecting games to go to five and six.
0: I don't think they really care the speed of the game, they care more so about what's happening during the game because they could play a slow game, they could play a fast game, but. If they're playing a slow game and you take out carnage then the odds go considerably in your opponent's favor which i guess is where you kind of get the speed aspect from is because you're trying to hurry up and get all these things done in the right order <laughs> it's almost like a sequence of events that have to happen when you're playing foes in my opinion like if i look back on all my games like it's kind of like the same if i'm playing the same list to the same list in the same scenario it's like this happens and this happens and this happens. And once like a wrench gets thrown in it, everything kind of falls apart. But if you're looking at like slow versus fast, I kind of don't think it truly matters until characters start dying. So like Yeah, so
1: the ga- the game plan, at least in my view, and you can correct me on this, Dizzard, is like first step, keep Carnage alive while going even on score. Yeah. Second, set up Carnage so that you have prio with him on the round before you're going to score out. It yep. doesn't matter how fast or slow it is. Then pop off with Carnage, and use that to gain an like an even bigger advantage. So even if your opponent does something to disrupt you on the final scoring round, you it still matter. Score out. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. So like, so like we we could play a six round game plan, and I would just go off on round five instead of on round three.
2: That's fair. So it's a bit of a timing thing. It sounds like you guys are describing the uh, sort of swing turn thing that we discussed in a previous episode. Yeah, that's you guys are that is really effective. <laughs> yeah, you're just it's very set much up
1: a swing and, turn strategy. They yeah, are very good at just doing a like uh, last second swing turn and then just winning.
2: Yeah, something I like to think about too. That's just interesting about the way this game can be played. Is sometimes there's a turn where you like kill their whole team and you know if it goes to another round you're going to get slaughtered but if that turn is going to be the last turn of the game it doesn't matter anymore right so like you can just like kill everyone knowing that if you do it you win the game in that turn and it won't matter what they can do to you next turn because there will be no next turn and it sounds like in some level you guys are also describing that as an option you know where you just nuke the world and then collect all the goods and win um but yeah, all right. Um, I mean, I think we covered how to beat foes. I don't know if there's anything else you guys think I missed. Or
0: I think like I think the biggest thing is spider portals. That's like, like in my opinion, spider portals is one of the, the toughest scenarios for them.
1: Fair. Yeah. Spider yeah, portals. Done. Consistently holding priority against them can be yeah. very
0: problematic. Okay. And taking out taking out corners mm-hmm. as soon as you can.
1: Yeah, if you can like daze Carnage randomly so that he like KOs himself when he all you've got, that's already a huge W. All
2: right. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of conclude with like a little bit of thought on 2.0, sort of the new changes that they're going to bring to Marvel. Um, do you feel that Spider Foes, the future's bright? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, Green Goblin, they they buffed him a lot, and I think he was already playable. I, I think they did what they needed to do because it's not fun to have a leader you don't always play be the only leader for your affiliation. Um, but I think like as a piece in the game, he was at a perfectly fine level. So uh, buffing him as much as they are, I expect to see Spider-Foes go up in stock, and I expect to see a few different strategies, both control
0: and aggro. I think the one bad thing about 2.0 I don't I we're calling it 2.0 now <laughs> um, but it's going to be, not your roster building, but your team, your, your squad building it, it's going to have to come down to instead of, alright, I'm taking this, this and this it's going to be, okay, well do I want to run this play style or this play style? I can do both um, and it's going to be just getting those reps in to know like, which build you want to go with, um, so I think foes in the future are going to take a lot more thinking and refining uh, just yeah, because you I'm, now have that option of Goblin being able to be useful in every single game. Yeah,
1: I'm already going through that process right now, even though like Goblin's like barely a consideration is like, yeah. I don't know, like how killy, how wide I want to be. Like, am, am I playing like a slow, uh, well, a like, plans tempo game or not? Like, I, I've successfully navigated it so far, but it is, it's definitely an exciting new challenge and I expect it to keep on changing with Goblin.
2: I will say I played against the new Green Goblin, and when he flips over and you're playing Convocation, that five defensive dice, (laughs) that's a lot of dice all of a sudden. Apparently, going insane makes you really repellent to Wizards, (laughs) um, which is pretty entertaining. And I think Wizards are going to get more and more popular as the game gets older. So it's kind of a fun little thing that wasn't really a problem when he was released, you know? Yeah. But all right guys, um uh, I don't know if I think we'll close it out here. I think we got a lot of great info. Appreciate you being here, Mark. And uh i people to find you, Mark.
1: Uh cross the com. I'm on Facebook uh, as roster doctor, twitch is roster doctor, I go by roster doctor GD Nerd or in any of the Discord stuff. Feel free to hit me up wherever you find me if you've got any questions or anything. Uh, about spider foes i'm always happy to talk about them
0: and uh be on the lookout for mark's game this week against Mike. i think that's gonna be a good one to watch
1: yeah i think we just nailed it down for tuesday evening pacific so maybe
2: mention uh, you're gonna put it on youtube that might be a nice thing to put up there i I should actually
1: record i've been so bad about recording games this season after like being so gung-ho in the top cut last time about making sure every game's recorded I will I will stream it to Twitch on Roster Doctor or Twitch slash Roster Doctor on Tuesday evening. I swear. And uh, after the stream's over, I'll put it on my YouTube channel as well. It's gonna be a banger.
2: But your YouTube channel is called what? Roster Roster Doctor. Doctor you said. Yeah. Is, okay. Not the GD nerd. Yep. All right. No. I know I'm I'm subscribed to but I'm sure other people are not. So wanted to get there.
1: Yeah, and um, to be fair, I think at the point where you subscribed it might have been GD Nerd because I hadn't figured out how to like rename it to Roster Doctor yet. But now it is I think.
2: All right. Thanks though for coming out and sharing this with everyone. Hopefully people can go play some cool new minis. That freaking lizard mini is just gorgeous
0: and uh...
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh that's the other thing.
0: That's the other thing. Foes have some of the best models in the game. Uh, Yeah, I played the symbiote thing, and I
2: dropping Goblin and and freaking Lizard together, it's like, oh, you guys are so pretty.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our opinions. Please note, as time continues, some information may become outdated, but we will do our best to refresh some of the more prevalent episodes to be current. Be sure to check out Across the Bifrost Nexus, where you can find all of your MCP content. And a big thank you to Discount Games Inc. and Black Knight Games, where you can find all of your MCP needs. And then a huge thank you to Atomic Mask Games for developing a game we all enjoy and love. We'll see you next time in the Danger Room.